You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. so that I could belong to Him. I've been bought with a price. I can't do as I please. My life now belongs to Him. Throughout the New Testament, we see that we were all once bondage to sin. We were unable to free ourselves. We were caught in sin's grasp. God had a better plan. And His Son became the perfect price for our redemption as He gave His life a ransom for us. And our faith in Him has set us free. That's what sets us free. When you enter into a relationship with the Lord, you're redeemed. The word redeemed in the Christian worldview means you have been brought back from bondage to sin. God has rescued you from the power sin had over you. Jesus sacrificed himself for you. The least you could do is live your life for him. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Ruth chapter 4. As he continues his message, God makes a way. going to go on here. He's kind of eager to find out. He wants to know if he's going to be a bridegroom or not. I mean, he's kind of looking to get married. I mean, remember, these two have been together for both harvests, wheat and barley. They've been together. She came to the threshing floor where he was. She laid at his feet and, and talked to him and asked him if he would be her Goel. There's a connection here, folks. There's a connection here. So, Look what happens in verse 1a. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. Boaz goes to the city gate, which is where all the transactions happen. All the transactions of the city happen at the city gate. All the elders sit there. All the men who are noble and, and supposed to be of high esteem, they sit there. They're important. It's interesting that business is transacted there. I don't know how many of you have ever seen our bulletin over here in the name of the bulletin board. There's a bulletin board right over there. And we got business cards and things like that. And it's called the city gate. There's a reason we do that, folks. We just don't put up signs for no reason. Anyhow, one commentator said this, the gate of the city was always a place where esteemed and honorable men of the city sat. For an ancient city in Israel, it was a combination of a city council chamber and a courtroom. You had a dispute, you went to the city gate. You wanted to make a deal, you went to the city gate. It was the city gate where everything happened. Boaz obviously went there to see if the closer relative could be found. And look at 1b. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. I love it. Behold, the close relative came by. Now, who didn't know that was going to happen? Once again, God's providential hand is right there. Just like Ruth just happened to go into Boaz's field, Boaz went up there the first day, and behold, this guy comes by. Oh, it's you. Well, let's talk. Let's talk. There are no happenstances in the world of God. Remember, God is writing the last chapter. 
He's writing the last chapter of his love story, and he's doing so much better than Hallmark ever could. Let's look at 2 and 4, 2 to 4. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. And he came to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is one but no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And so he, the relative, said, I will redeem it. It's interesting here that the, that, that the ten elders, and, you know, I was reading John Corson's, and he said that the number ten always represents the law. Number ten always represents the law. And it's interesting that you follow it here. So if, if Boaz is a type of Christ who is our kinsman redeemer, we too had a closer kinsman, and that closer kinsman would be the law. But the law couldn't redeem us. The law was helpless to redeem us. The law was helpless to save us. Praise the Lord, there was another, a more perfect redeemer, excuse me, Jesus Christ. So the other relative said to Boaz, I will redeem it. I would have liked to have seen Boaz's face when this guy said that. Now notice one thing, we don't even know who this guy's name is. He's just the other relative. We don't even know who his name is. I wonder if Boaz's heart sunk when he heard this. But there was a caveat. There was a caveat to all of this according to the law. Look at five. Then Boaz says, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. Boaz said to his close relative, once again, I have got some good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is you can buy the land. The bad news is it comes attached. And there's a woman there. According to Leviticus 25 and 23 through 34, you'll find the law of the kinsman redeemer. And in Deuteronomy 25 verses 5 through 10, there's the law of governing Leverite marriage. The purpose of these laws was to preserve the name and protect the property of the families in Israel. See, the land belonged to God. And he didn't want anyone to exploit it. He didn't want those who had money to take advantage of those who did not. When these laws were obeyed, the dead man's family name did not die. And his property was not sold outside the tribe. He wanted to keep things all in the family, so to speak. But, if you're a Bible student, you know that throughout Israel, they never did this. They failed to obey God's law in this. You can look at 1 Kings 21. You look at Isaiah 5 and Habakkuk 2. And these prophets rebuked the leaders for stealing the land from helpless people. And according to 2 Chronicles 36.21, this was one of the major causes for the nation being led into captivity. Why? God takes a very dim view when we take advantage of others, especially those who are poor. God takes a dim view of that. So in verse 6, we see the relative's answer. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I run or ruin my own inheritance. 
The price was too high for him. He couldn't redeem it. We indeed are set free, but we've been bought with a price. There was a price for our redemption. There was a hefty price for our redemption. Our redemption cost the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. That was a hefty price for God to pay. That's what redemption was all about. That's what it is all about. Why? Because you and I were slaves to sin. I was a slave to my own flesh. I did these things because I was bound by my flesh. But Christ has set me free. Free that I don't have to do these things anymore. And my body, which I once abused, I now offer to him as an instrument through which he might work. My body becomes a temple for him to dwell through his Holy Spirit. My body becomes a temple that he dwells in. A sanctuary place where God dwells. See, Jesus redeemed me. He paid the price that I couldn't pay for myself. He purchased me from slavery to sin in order that now I might be a servant. But as a servant, I have to obey him. I've been bought with a price. I don't belong to myself. He didn't redeem me so I could be my own man. He redeemed me so that I could belong to him. I've been bought with a price. I can't do as I please. My life now belongs to him. Throughout the New Testament, we see that we were all once bondage to sin. We were unable to free ourselves. We were caught in sin's grasp. God had a better plan. And his son became the perfect price for our redemption as he gave his life a ransom for us. And our faith in him has set us free. And that's what sets us free. It wasn't the baptism in the water that set you free from sin. It wasn't the baptism in the water that took away your sin. It was your faith in Jesus Christ that takes away your sin. Your belief in him, that's what removes your sin. God had a better plan. The Redeemer had to be a near kinsman who was both able to pay the price of redemption and be willing to pay the price. This one close relative was not willing to pay the price. You might be saying, well, how is Christ related to us? How is Christ related to us? In every way. Because he came to earth and took on humanity. He became one of us. Holy God and holy man. He became one of us and walked among us, but he was sinless. And through his matchless love, he then is our kinsman redeemer for all eternity. See, Jesus Christ having the right of redemption as a close relative, he paid the price for our redemption because he had all the resources necessary. Why? He redeemed us with sinless blood. That was his resource, sinless blood. And that's what it cost God to redeem us the sinless blood of his dear, beloved, only begotten son. The richness of his blood bought you and me. That was the price that was paid. It's interesting that once the closer relative was found and he found out that Ruth was in the mix, he backed out. He didn't want to jeopardize his own inheritance. And since there was no other kinsman available... Boaz could be the redeemer. God found a way. There's always a way with God. Let's look from verses 7 through 10 now. Now, this was the custom in the former time in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. 
To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was confirmation in Israel. Therefore, the closer relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Shilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. Boaz joyfully proclaimed, legally sealing the transaction with his sandal. <laughs> I like that. He redeemed both the property and the woman for the prosperity Prosperity of Elimelech. The deal is sealed when they exchange sandals. What happens if you get a sandal that's not your size? What? what? What's this all about? What's well, a custom? Most people believe that, it, that it's related to some sort of divine commandment about walking on the promised land and taking possession. However, in Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 to 10, it describes a ceremony conducted when a kinsman is declined his responsibility. In other words, when a kinsman says no to taking on the property and the woman, the one declining removed the sandal, and the woman he declined into honor spits in his face. But in this case, because there was no lack of honor, they just did the part of the ceremony where they just kind of traded sandals. Interesting. Now here's an interesting case. Because of his love for Ruth, he bought the field in order that he might retain the bride. His primary interest was not the field at all. He was a man of great wealth. He didn't need the field. He didn't need any more fields, but he bought the field in order to obtain the bride. And this becomes a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ who bought the world in order that he might purchase his bride, the church. He wants to purchase his church out of the world. Not interested necessarily in the planet Earth, but he's interested because of his love for the bride. Jesus purchased the world in order to take his treasure. And you, ladies and gentlemen, are his treasure. So when you look at the kingdom parables, it says the kingdom is like unto a man going through a field discovering a treasure who for the joy immediately goes out, sells all that he has to buy the field to obtain the treasure. And this is the analogy here. So Jesus seeing the treasure, which is his church, his bride, it's in the world. So he purchases the whole world with his death. He redeems the entire world. For God so loved the world. He purchased the whole world. Beautiful parallel. Beautiful parallel. So we have ten witnesses. Boaz proclaims that Ruth's redemption is complete, and he is her Goel. The elders all gathered and said, we are witnesses. And then they blessed the couple. Let's read the end of 11 and 12. And all the people who are at the gate, the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Beth Bethlehem. 
May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this woman. Bearing women, or excuse me, bearing children was extremely important to the Jews. And there were two reasons why bearing children was important to the Jews. Number one was the obviously perpetuating the race, perpetuating the nation, keeping the nation going. But there's a second reason. Can anybody tell me what the second reason was? They do carry out the name. There was a second reason why bearing children was important, specifically male children. They were waiting for the Messiah. They knew that the Messiah was going to come from Israel. So the more children you have, the more likelihood that one of those males is going to be the Messiah. It was necessary to bear children. They knew it. They knew that God was going to send the Messiah to earth. You know the story of Leah and Rachel? They bore to Jacob eight sons. And along with their four brothers, they became the foundation for the nation Israel. It's interesting here that the name Ephrata means fruitful. The people were praying for Ruth to be fruitful, to bring honor and notoriety to the name. And to this name, the only thing that was notoriety of Bethlehem, what is it, was the burial place of Rachel. Now, we know it has a little better, better notoriety. Because it's the birthplace of our beloved Jesus Christ. The people wanted Ruth to be like the family of Perez. The family of Perez did settle in Bethlehem. And Boaz was the descendant of Perez. Ruth's life changed forever because she believed and trusted in the one true living God. A God who had mercy on her and showed his amazing grace to her. A God who accepted her into his family. A God who provided for her. And we're going to see next week that he gave her children. Yes, the story of Ruth opened with sadness and death for frustration and loneliness. But the story of Ruth ends with love and assurance of a future. Ruth went from poverty to wealth, from anxiety to assurance, and from despair to hope. The old passed away. She was no longer Ruth the Moabitess. A new beginning was happening. She was now Ruth, the bride of Boaz. Is this not our story? Is this not our story? Those of you that have made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Those of you that believed and confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart. Isn't this our story? Weren't we once in sadness, in despair, in hopelessness without Christ? Weren't we frustrated and lonely in our hearts? Part of Sergeant Pepper's band? Don't ask me where that came from. Weren't we poor and destitute? Weren't we without hope? Weren't we dead in our trespasses? Yes. We were in the bondage of sin. Our poverty was at the worst it could be. We were bankrupt. No hope. No God. Nothing. The only thing we deserved was death and eternal separation from God. But God, but God, through his infinite love, mercy, and grace, loved us so much that he made a way. See, God always makes a way. God always makes a way even where there is no way. God makes a way. 
And those that trust in him, those that hope in him, those that believe in him for all his promises will find that way. But the way is very narrow, folks. The way is extremely narrow. It's not broad. It's a narrow, narrow path. God made a way, not only for you and for me, but for the entire world that he redeemed on that cross. He made a way for them to come back to God. He redeemed them. It has been paid in full. They just don't know it. They haven't accepted it. What a sin. What a pity. What a terrible, terrible thing it is. They're still stuck. They're where you and I once were. They're there in the midst of it. God, through faith now in him, he says you're rich. You're cleansed. I'm going to give you a future and a hope. I'm going to give you the assurance of eternal life. Yes, you can have that. You can come, be one of my children with all the inheritance and all the rights and privileges that one of my children have and deserve. A co-heir because of my son and what he did on the cross. See, this cross is so much more than just something we wear around our neck. The cross is so much more than just something that we look at, some, some kind of, a, of, a, of an ornament. It's so much more. When we look at the cross, we should get a lump in our throat. We should get a lump in our throat when we look at the cross and we see, we know what took place there. We know that that is where our freedom was bought. Our freedom was paid for. If you carry the analogy a little further, we know that through Scripture, one of the many images of the church is the bride of Christ. And Paul writes in Ephesians 5, 20, 22 to 33, and his emphasis is on Christ's love for the church as seen in the ministries whereupon he died for the church, which was past. He cleanses and nourishes the church through the word, which is present, and will one day present the church in glory, which is future. Christ is preparing a beautiful place for his bride. He's preparing a place for us. And if he prepares a place for us, he will come again so that we could be where he is. And that is our hope. And that is which we place all our stock in for a God who cannot lie. The story of Ruth began with weeping and mourning and death and funeral. The story of Ruth ends with joy and excitement of a new beginning and redemption. From sadness to joy unspeakable. What a great picture of what God has done for us. What a great picture we have of what God has done for us. As we end this glorious book, the ending of the story is the blessing of the birth of a child. Not just only child. A child would be the grandfather to David the king. You are Thanks for tuning in for today's edition of Assure Hope. Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of Ruth when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You're welcome to share these messages with friends and family too. 
If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Check out our website for more information and to get directions. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. Or you can always call us for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. If you're not able to join us in person, that's okay. We understand that right now you may be more comfortable avoiding crowds. We're streaming our services on Facebook Live each Sunday at 10 a.m. so you can worship with us virtually. Just follow the link you'll find at assurehoperadio.com to watch. And be sure to follow our page for the latest updates. How can we be praying for you during this study in the book of Ruth? please let us know by giving us a call at 609-884-5821. It's our pleasure to lift you up to the Lord. Thanks for listening to today's message and a sure hope. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study through the book of Ruth, and we hope you'll join Pastor Dave next time for another edition of A Sure Hope.